You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. In this podcast, Future Net Zero News Editor Johnny Bairstow speaks with Simon Owsbury, Managing Director of Energize, as they discuss accounting for emissions, financial decision making, and how to tackle both net zero and climate change challenges. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this Future Net Zero podcast, uh, where I'm talking with Simon Alsbury, the Managing Director of Energize, as part of the five-part podcast series called Counting Carbon. Uh, this is the third installment, and we'll be talking about understanding the impacts downstream of you. Uh, so hello, Simon. Thanks again for joining me. Hi, Johnny. Good to be here again. And we'll jump right into it. Um, I was wondering if you could explain the idea of accounting for these emissions, the scope three downstream emissions. What exactly does that include? So the idea really in terms of kind of mapping out scope three as being upstream and downstream is to understand those things that are kind of before you as an organization or an individual and, and afterwards. In terms of what it includes, it's things like if you're a manufacturing company then or a product sales it's um, transportation and distribution that's downstream of you. If you're, were, say, for example, a, a, an electronics manufacturer, then it's the processing of your product or what its emissions are in use. In terms of the what you then get down a bit further down the line of that is what happens at the end of life of, of all those things. So what happens to the, the in the waste element of, the, of this journey? And then um, there's some specific aspects that are also included in this area of in terms of leased assets, franchises and investments. Uh, I think the idea behind accounting for them is that we need to ensure we have a firm understanding in terms of tackling uh, the challenges that around climate change and, and, and net zero present to us all. We have a full picture of everything we're doing. So if I take a few examples of what I've just mentioned, say, for example, I mentioned the electronics manufacturer, you'd have no incentive for efficiency if you don't give some consideration to these pieces in terms of your uh, what what you're imparting upon customers obviously in a whole series of categories in in, in the UK and Europe we have carbon we have, we have um, energy efficiency labeling which gives us visibility of these points but in terms of it being a measure of your own carbon footprint and you understanding the, your responsibilities in terms of the journey here it needs to be part of your consideration so that you can understand where you play your part and where your responsibility sits. I think it's uh, there's a definition that I, I, I use with, in terms of discussing with people of what the, what's the difference between carbon neutrality and net zero, which is quite important in terms of the responsibility bit we're talking about here. For me, the definition and the difference between carbon neutrality and net zero is carbon being carbon neutral is about that you've done something. Going net zero is about that you do enough. Carbon neutrality only requires that you reduce your emissions and that you offset them and that you have a plan. Net zero, from my point of view, but obviously there's no singular firm definition, is about making sure that you take your proportional responsibility of the challenge. Um, and so I am an advocate, for example, of, uh, of science-based targets for that very reason. But in terms of the approach that you're talking about here, it would be the equivalent of saying to a car manufacturer, because they, the use of their product, for example, is one of what would be accounted for here. They have no responsibility for the carbon um, that sits down. Obviously, their scope free in that case is someone else's scope one, because it would be their own fuel and combustion use. But... And that does naturally mean that in the world of carbon accounting, there is there is double counting from one to another. But that's the point. It's about understanding that we're all interconnected. Um, and I think 
the the concept of this is that if, if, if particularly scope three is if, we, if you don't understand that interconnected element of it you don't understand that we need to collaborate we need to engage we need to talk about how to tackle some of these challenges collectively we need to share data sets uh, there needs to be a certain element of transparency and accountability to each other then i don't we don't make a material set of progress so it's important to have that responsibility to account for that it also drives a set of opportunities um, particularly if you start looking on the end of life uh, treatment or the, the waste impacts that product might have it, 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 when it's got to the end of its useful life because you can start looking at what things like uh, circular economy opportunities might be there um, and that's quantifying the impact of those things drives you more like you're more likely to take the actions um, as a consequence of actually having measured these things so it's it's important to to measure in this area because it, it's absolutely critical way of uh, of showing that we're all interconnected and that what one person does has a material impact on the way in which other people perform um you you can you can change other people's carbon footprint by your behavior and how exactly do you think most people are measuring these emissions so i think it, it obviously varies the spread of what's within the downstream element of scope three so categories um is, is on the, the greenhouse gas protocol categories nine to fifteen are they're quite varied in terms of the different aspects of them. So if you're talking about something like the processing use and end of life of a product, then you realistically, you're going to be using some form of life cycle analysis and breaking that down into the respective stages in terms of making sure that you're accounting for that. That transportation and distribution element that we talked about at the beginning, the first category, um, category nine, is is relatively simple in the sense that the logistics and, and travel uh, is is easier to account for. It's largely just an activity with a carbon factor. You get to a bit more complex when you start looking at the leased assets or franchises or investments, but only in the sense that you've got more engagement there. You, it, a lot of it's about kind of relative share of of things. But I think it's about it's often quite important when you're going through this particular side of things to not just measure it for measure measurement's sake, but to make sure that you're finding a way of engaging with the data and you'll actually often find that many organizations don't record this information until they start really doing exactly that engagement i've talked about because it's quite hard to get the data unless you engage with people and as the natural part of that engagement you kind of want to actually be taking some action so it's it's almost an element of you often start taking action and and start recording this information at the same time in terms of the detail about how these things are recorded these are areas which can start getting into Kind of certain elements of complexity, but there's an individual document on the GHG protocol website that covers each of these categories. It's quite helpfully set out, but there's a document for each of the 15 categories that gives you some guidance around it in terms of the approaches of actual kind of physical numbers. Then, as I, as I mentioned, then um, for transportation and distribution, you would be looking at activity based carbon factors for the life cycle of a product. You're realistically going to be looking at some kind of life cycle analysis and where you're taking a proportional share of someone else's uh, carbon footprint through investments or franchises or, or other categories here, then it's going to be an about proportional responsibility um, in terms of that. So some people listening probably think, you know, it's, it's one thing to talk about, but how, how can I actually influence and control uh, my, my downstream emissions? Because then they're not directly in, in my hands. I think for some people that's true and for some people that's not. So if you're a manufacturer, you're often going to find your downstream emissions are very much in your control. And it's arguably the same for some service providers and 
others and uh, give you a few examples. So the, um, if you're, for example, I just briefly mentioned the example before, if you're a vehicle manufacturer, you very clearly do have control over your downstream emissions because if you create a, an engine which creates less carbon emissions, then your customers are going to use less carbon in the life cycle of that product existing. Uh, it's just evidently true. And you have a huge amount of control over that because it is a fundamental part of the business to define that. I think where people don't necessarily fully reflect on all aspects of this, but there are some great examples, is software providers looking at the footprint they have on servers or people looking at the way kind of the impact that certain services might have. And it often kind of becomes a bit about kind of almost process design or performance efficiency. You have to have a mindset of operational excellence to get this bit right, because it's almost a, not just how do we do our best here, but how do we set everybody else up for success as well? And I think taking that mindset that you are always going to have the ability to influence the downstream emissions. Some organizations have the ability to control them because they can literally just make design decisions, but everyone has the influence. Uh, and I think it's understanding your impact on that will be relative to you, you'll often also find those who have the largest uh, scope-free downstream emissions are those who have the greatest control. They will often be things which have, uh, are creating combustion emissions, for example. And, and then the quality of what they produce, the efficiency of, uh, of, of the engine uh, in whatever form of um, combustion you're talking about there will have a material impact further down the line somebody else's carbon footprint will fall yours as well. And therefore, uh, that can have a, a significant ben benefit to everybody involved. And we, are, we I suppose we can't forget the, the wider public are always going to have a part in this, aren't they? Because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're the ones consuming a vast amount of the, the products and services that we're talking about. So it's going to be essential to help the wider public understand all of this data and kind of make it have real meaning to them and become tangible. Um, what do you think the best way of doing that is? So I think we still have a bit of a challenge as an industry about the fact that the de facto way of presenting data for certain is, is effectively not particularly insightful for an, the non-technical user. So what I mean by that is that your standard carbon footprint report will largely be a list of categories and a quantity of tons on the side. It doesn't necessarily show you where that has come from, what activity drove it, where the flow of that is. One of the things that we're a huge fan of at Energize is um, something called a Sankey diagram, which is basically a, a flow of, of inputs and outputs. And I think they, those can be really powerful. And I think if we can kind of collectively as society use the same principle, which is about helping people understand how everything is interconnected, then I think the, the wider public will understand the data. What we would do with a Sankey diagram is effectively go, okay, well, here's the beginning of the activity that comes in in the process and then this is the what we do to it and this is how much of this activity is happening and then the carbon footprint that causes that and you could even show where that ends up with the end consumer for example you could show that this much of our carbon footprint is people who bought this car and this is this much who bought this car um because you can you could start to, to give something that meant more meaning but i think the benefit behind something where you show a flow uh, and understanding where the kind of the resource flows of this work. You don't want to make it too complicated, but often these things actually make it much simpler because tables of numbers are, are dry, unengaging often. Um, look, we play our part in producing a number of them, but it would be more engaging for people if people were putting 
something like a, a Sankey diagram into uh, reports rather than just a, a statutory summary. I think the, the critical thing is you're telling people a story. And I think the key thing about scope-free emissions is, is, is how much they tell you about how much we are interconnected, how much we need to engage with each other. Um, and so being able to present that visually by showing how something that might seem three or four steps away from you definitely has an impact on you helps us all to understand that we've got to do this together rather than it be something where it seems like it's that's not my thing to get involved in. And I think the wider public being able to be shown some of those pieces of information in engaging ways is a real opportunity for us all to innovate on in the course of the, the years ahead as, as the data behind this gets better and more opportunities to put this information in the hands of customers, but be that on a business to business or a business to consumer basis. I think that would really help everyone and giving people that visibility of that interconnectivity, I think is really important. Thank you very much, Simon. Uh, that was another enlightening podcast there as part of our Counting Carbon series that we're doing with Energize. Uh, so please, if you enjoyed that, and I'm sure you did, please tune in next time uh, for episode four, where we'll be talking about gaining insights uh, from your footprint and taking action, uh, which of course is the important part. So again, thank you very much, Simon, and thank you to our audience. Thanks, Johnny, and uh, see you next time. You have been listening to a promoted podcast from Future Net Zero. Thanks for listening to this Future Net Zero podcast. Please follow us on social media and subscribe to the website at www.futurenetzero.com. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.